Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. series today. Um, And so congratulate yourself for being here at the beginning of a new series. That's why I kind of dressed up a little bit today. People are like, you know, what's with the get up? I'm like, it's a new series. You know what I mean? It's a special day. And so we're dressing a little bit special. But the series is called Walking the Path, Understanding the Christian Way of Life. And so In its simplest form, what we're going to do over the next few weeks, maybe four or five weeks, I don't know, is we're going to look at what does a Christian look like? What does a Christian look like? Imagine all the way back, all those years ago when you gave your heart to Jesus, nobody had to tell you to change certain things, but it was the Spirit of God in your life that was kind of lining those things out. And, And over a period of time, we can forget It sounds the craziest thing, right? But we can really forget what a Christian is supposed to look like. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be taking a look at that. And and I'm excited about it. I hope you're excited about it. If you are, turn to your neighbor and say, lean in. Tell them, put your seatbelt on. Amen. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word that goes and always hits the mark. We just posture ourselves to receive today. In Jesus' name, let it be transformational. Amen and amen and amen. I want us to know that the longer that we walk with God, we realize that there's really three different attitudes that you can pick up. Probably a lot more than three, but we are on a time scale here. And so there's three attitudes that you can pick up that can really grab your heart. Um, The first one is a curator, and you're going to realize what that is. A curator is kind of like a... A, um, a keeper of a museum, a manager of a museum. The second attitude that you can pick up is that of a settler. And the third attitude, which is the proper attitude that you can pick up, it's the best attitude of the three. It's a pioneer's attitude. And so I don't know about you, but every once in a while, not all the time, but every once in a while, like I love a good Western. Anybody like the movie Tombstone? Yeah. What about just any old John Wayne movie, right? I mean, my goodness. Like, like it, sometimes it doesn't get much better than that. And you can watch John Wayne movies and they're clean. You don't have to worry about, you know, what you might be exposed to. And, um, and you know, the outlaw Jesse Wales, that's another popular one. But in a lot of these old westerns, there's a familiar storyline, and the storyline is this, that the man typically, sometimes the entire family, but they will, what they will do is they'll make a decision to set out and to leave everything that is normal in hope of a better life tomorrow. I mean, just think about this. All of the folks that left the East Coast and came out and settled the West. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a tremendous amount of risk that was involved in the pursuit of a better life. And I want us to know that that is a pioneer spirit. 
That is a pioneer spirit. And that is the spirit that Jesus gives to each and every one of us when we receive him as Lord and personal Savior. How many of you know that Jesus doesn't call you to play it safe? How many of you know that he doesn't call us to pull up short? But he puts within us a pioneer spirit, you know what I mean, to go and to take new territory, to go and to do different things. See, Jesus is not an additive, just something that we add to our life in hopes, come on, that it makes life just a little bit better. But Jesus is a renovator. Like what he does whenever you receive him into your life, what he does is he he tears down the whole, the whole life and he begins to build it back brand new. Amen? And how many of you know that, that after he's finished with it, it's better than it's ever been? How many of you believe that? Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run, the apostle says, with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Here it is right here. You ready? Go ahead and read it with me. The pioneer, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, when we get saved, there's a new race. There's a new life that we enter into. And for us to try to hold on to the old life is absolutely, number one, it's crazy, but number two, it's limiting. God wants you to release those things and to press on, come on, to, for what is ahead of you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Somebody say a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And so when you're saved, like your new life is not supposed to look anything like your old life. But yet so many of us, we want Jesus just to be an additive to make our life a little bit better. But we do not have maybe the faith or the desire to release the things that were in the past so that we can press on to the high mark, the calling that is in Christ Jesus. Like, like he wants to give you, come on, new friends. He wants to give you new dreams. He desires to give you new desires. He's got new gifts. Like when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, how many of you know that he'll plant seeds or gifts of the Spirit, come on, within you, that I wish that automatically, like you just had all this great wisdom and knowledge in how to move and operate and function in. But how many of you know even the gifts of the Spirit, like God calls you to develop and to, and to, and to work those things out. Amen? And so he puts these seeds, these new seeds of life inside of you. And I'm just saying this, just real clear, so you get what I'm saying. For some of you, like... Your next step is to close the door on yesterday. See, some of you prophetically, come on, you're in a tough spot because you have failed to close the door on yesterday and take new steps in God. I love these stories of 
of like a faithful servant. Oftentimes the movies portray the person as a gardener or or a maid, but just somebody that's not making a bunch of money, but they're faithful and they're well taken care of. And then all of a sudden, the person that they've served for the last 20, 30, 40, maybe even 50 years, that person dies. And instead of leaving the inheritance, come on to, you know, the, the, you know, the son that you know, just thinks that he needs everything or the daughter that hasn't had anything to do with dad. Instead of leaving the inheritance to family, the man or the woman leave the inheritance to the faithful, the gardener or the maid. And so all of the sudden, this person's life is radically changed and radically transformed. Why? Because now they've moved from having absolutely nothing or the bare minimum, to now having everything, and their life is significantly different. Amen? And so, I want us to realize this, that there was one that died for each and every one of us, that left you and I a tremendous amount of blessing, and a tremendous amount of hope, a tremendous amount of ability and power, and his name is Jesus Christ. See, sometimes... Sometimes we forget what has been passed on to us as we are adopted into the family of God. Amen. You've been given a tremendous inheritance. There's three attitudes that you can have. I've already touched on them, but the first one is a curator or a museum keeper. Like this person, this person, whenever the doors of the museum close, the curator goes to work. They take out their duster and they're dusting off all of these historical artifacts and they're making them to, to look presentable. They're making them to look and they're caring for them and they're learning all about them. They can tell you every single thing that there is to know about these artifacts because, because they're kind of stuck in history. And history is cool, but I'm telling you this, that history is no place for a Christian to, to focus on. Like, it is good for us to remember the past, amen? I love what Scott was talking about in those, in those moments of darkness. It's like sometimes the only thing that you have is the history of God in your life, the history of his faithfulness. But I'm telling you, for the most part, outside of allowing his history to move you forward in the present or the future, let me just say it like this. Like if your best days was 20 years ago and 30 years ago, and you're just like, man, I just wish God would move again like he did back here and back then. Let me just tell you, you're a curator. You're a museum keeper. And the best thing that you can do is give your resignation and just change jobs because that is not a job for you, come on, as a believer because God is the God of today and he's the God of tomorrow, amen? And sometimes we are we're ball and chained to things that have happened in the past and God is doing a new thing here today. Not everyone that sets out as a pioneer, like, like take somebody from the East Coast, not everybody that set out 
you know, come on, to go out west and to, and to mine for gold in, in California or, or actually, I don't even want to use that, in Idaho. Let's go to Idaho. <laughs> Not everybody that is set out, come on, have made it. That's why we've got a bunch of people, actually not even a bunch of people, but some folks in Nebraska, right? It's like they set out for, for the great state of Idaho, and they only made it to Nebraska. See, these people, these folks are settlers. So we've got curators in the Christian faith, people that are stuck in the past, and then we've got settlers, like they've got a dream, a goal, a vision to go out west to the great state of Idaho, the gem state. And they got to Nebraska, and they were a little bit tired, and so they pulled up short. And listen, these people that are settlers, they've always got an excuse. It's like, well, I didn't make it out to Idaho, but look how far I've come. You know what I'm saying? I don't cheat, I don't lie, I don't steal. I don't cuss. Well, I don't cuss as much as I used to as I used to cuss. You know what I'm saying? They've settled. They pulled up short. And I'm just saying that in our churches today across the globe, there are many, many people that had wonderful and great dreams at one point. They had clear vision on what was God going to what God was going to do in and through their life. But the moment that they came through some hardships, come on, experienced some, some difficulties, they said, you know what? Ah, oh, shucks. Nebraska's all right. Nebraska's just fine. It's not, it's not New York State. It's Nebraska. And so settling is dangerous because you lose conviction and expectation. And guess what? When you lose conviction and expectation... Guess what else you lose? Passion. And I'm just saying this, I know this, that there's many in the church that have lost their passion. They don't have conviction really for much, and, and their walk in life is just kind of like blahzy blah. Are you kidding me? Do you think that God has called you out of darkness to walk in his marvelous light so that you can just live a blahzy blah life? I don't think so. Come on, some of you guys got to kick yourself until you get your passion and your conviction back. Because, because dreams have been broken and, 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 and desire, come on, has, has, has left the building. And now you're just kind of just, just going through life like a leaf, come on, in a, in a, in a mighty river. But you've been, you've been caught up in a little whirlpool on the side and you're just like, it's all right. Maybe one day I'll get back out there and, and see some new territory and do some, do some cool things. But I'm just going to float around over here for a while, and it's all right. I mean, it's not God's best, and it's not, but it's all right. I'm just saying, listen, man, that's, God didn't call you out of what he called you out of for it's all right. Settling is dangerous. I want us to realize that Abraham's dad was a settler. You realize this, that, that Abraham is the one that went into Canaan, the promised land. But you know this, it wasn't his job to go into the promised land. 
The Bible says that Abraham's dad set out from Ur of the Chaldeans towards Canaan, the promised land. And he got, matter of fact, if you look at the back of your Bible, it'll show you most of the Bibles will show you a map of Abraham's journey from Ur and the Chaldeans all the way to Canaan. Guess what's right in the center? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Can you stay for second service and say that right there? That was priceless. I was like, yeah, it was Nebraska. Yeah. Heron or Haran or however it is that you say it, like it was at the halfway mark. And so listen. Dad was called to go all the way. He settled halfway, and he left for his son, come on, to finish the journey. I want you to pay attention on this next statement. Look at me just real quick. Don't leave for your children what you're supposed to do yourself. Amen? Because this is the deal. If your children are being called, come on, to make up your shortcomings then it's very possible that they're not going to step into the fullness of what it is that God's called them to. Right? they got to make up ground that dad should have made up, that mom should have made up. And uh, don't leave for your kids what you're supposed to do. Pioneers, it's interesting, they set out, they got loads of stuff with them. I am certain that there were, I don't know this to be true, but I'm certain that there were, there were certain passes that people would go through and, and they didn't realize that there was going to be a mountain that they had to go up over, right? There was no way to go around. You had to go over it. And probably at the base of that mountain was a cemetery. And that cemetery was filled with things like the family piano. It's like, you know what? If we're going to make it, we're going to offload all of this stuff that we don't necessarily need because if we try to take all of this stuff, we're not going to reach our destination. And my question is this. What stuff are you carrying? Come on, the, the heavy loads that you need to just get rid of so that you can reach your destination. You're trying to hold on to stuff. And there's a lot of things that you can hold on to. There's five that I just wrote down here real quick. A habit. You got this habit that's keeping you from your destination. You got a hurt, right? Somebody wounded you. Instead of applying God's word and walking through forgiveness and dealing with bitterness, come on, you still are hurt. You got a relationship that you're not called to remain in. You've got a distraction or you've got unforgiveness. Like, this is a great spot Come on, to create a cemetery and offload some of those things you're carrying that you're not meant to carry. The third type of an attitude is the proper attitude, and that's an attitude of a pioneer. I want you to know the Apostle Paul was a pioneer, and his language that he used was that of a pioneer. Paul said this, forgetting, come on, what is behind me? He's like, listen, I'm letting go of these things. Why? so that I can press on and to take a hold of what is ahead of me in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that's a pioneer spirit? In Ephesians, we see two different prayers. Amazing that the Apostle Paul was writing this to the church at Ephesus. 
we should pray these prayers often. Number one is found in Ephesians 1.15. It begins there ever since that the Apostle Paul is saying this, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. Like, listen, God desires for us to know him better. And that's a prayer that he prays, come on, for the church at Ephesus, but for us today as well. Ephesians 1.18 says this, I pray that your hearts might be enlightened. It's like, listen, I want you to realize that you've got physical eyes, but sometimes your physical eyes don't see Come on, the eyes on your heart. And I know some of you know what, what I'm talking about. It's like, this looks like I should, what I should do, but this really feels like what I'm supposed to do in this situation. So the Apostle Paul says, I wish that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Why? In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And has or in his incomparable great power for those of us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. And so the Apostle Paul is praying for us even today to have a relationship with God that grows. That's God's desire for you that your relationship in him grows. He's praying that you have spiritual understanding. Come on, not just natural wisdom, but spiritual wisdom. And he also prays that you pursue your purpose, that you walk in power, and that you live free. So listen, four things that we are going to challenge you often to do here at Grace Church if you become, come on, a, 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 a person that is part of this family. Number one, we're going to challenge you to follow Jesus all the days of your life. A lot of times people, you know what I mean, they like the idea of being saved and so they'll have a moment or a week or a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden, man, they'll just drop off the, they'll just drop off the map. They're no longer anywhere to be found. They never really became part of the family and they're certainly not thinking about serving God and growing in God every single day of their life. The Bible says in this passage that we just read that his desire is for us to know him better. That word know is akin to the word know found in the book of Genesis when it said that Adam knew Eve. It talks about tremendous intimacy. Like that's how God wants us to know him is intimately. One of the most so sobering words of the Bible is, is in the last days when we're standing before Jesus and and we said, man, oh man, we've done these incredible things in your name. We've prophesied in your name. We've laid hands upon the sick and they've recovered. And we've done all these incredible things in your name. But Jesus looks at them and says to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Why? Because I did not know you. K-N-O-W. It's the same word that's found in the book of Genesis. It's the same word that I just read to you in the book of Ephesians. It speaks of intimacy. And so I'm telling you this, that what's crazy is, 
Don't check out on me. See some of you fading. I'm going to start screaming into this thing. So listen, what we have a tendency to do as people is we begin to list, we, we begin to list our, 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 our religion. We begin to list the, the things that we've done that are religious. And I'm telling you this, the religion isn't going to get you into heaven. You begin to, you know, list all the great things you did for God. If you don't have a relationship with him, I'm telling you, that's not going to get you into heaven. Amen? Why do people get baptized? Because they're taking the next step in Jesus, right? Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. When we enter into the waters of baptism, it represents us dying out to self, being buried. This is why we don't sprinkle you. And then when we come up out of the water, we come up in newness of life. Old things have passed, all things have become new, forgiven, washed, and set free, amen? See, this isn't, Baptism isn't a religious ceremony, but sometimes I wonder if people treat it like that because they'll come, they'll get fired up on the Lord, and, and we'll have the conversations with them. Have you asked Jesus into your heart? Is he your Lord? Well, what does lordship mean? Lordship means that he's in charge of your life. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, man, love Jesus. My life belongs to him. They get baptized and then they're nowhere to be found. So they treat, come on, getting wet in the water, come on, like a religious ceremony. And in the event that you treat it as a religious ceremony, it is of no power to you. You doing something just because, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, but, but the heart and the conviction and the passion and the surrender isn't behind it does nothing. You might as well go take a shower. Because at that moment, all you've done is gotten wet. Baptism will not save you. You are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen? And if baptism could save you, then now it's a works that you were able to complete to earn salvation. There's so, many, there's so many even Christian churches that will put things, well, you're not saved unless you A, B, or C. Now you've turned something that is a gift, that is a true thing that has happened, your ability to believe and receive and surrender, now you've turned that into a works. All right, you get it. We're smart people. Number two, we're going to challenge you to grow together. To grow together. I'll tell you this, that your faith is a personal decision, but your faith cannot grow alone. Let me just say this again. You cannot grow in your faith alone. In fact, you need somebody to mess you up from time to time that challenges you, that thinks different than you, and we're talking about Christian believers that will cause your faith to grow. There's two things that are going to happen. Listen, I want you to really pay attention because I have this conversation so much lately. Two things are going to happen. If you're faced with somebody that you don't agree with that claims to be a Christian, number one, you're going to come to the realization that you didn't know something that you thought you knew, and you're going to say, wow, I have learned something incredible from this person. 
I have grown in my faith. Or this person is in far right field and you're in far left field and you're wondering how you both can be called Christians. They say something, their approach to something is vastly different than what you know it to be. It's going to cause you to get into your word and to figure out why you believe what you believe. And guess what? Your faith is going to grow even if you don't change position because you have reinforced in and through God's word why you believe what you believe. Both of these are great scenarios. If you think that you're going to walk through life and everybody's going to agree, Christian or not Christian, everybody's going to see things just like you, you're crazy. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Why in the world would you think that that's going to happen? Well, we got the same word, don't we? How many things have been argued since the beginning of time? Everybody's got the same word. They've been argued since the beginning of time. Nobody's changed camp on what it is that they believe. Well, they're just not, they're just not seeing it like they should. And they're saying to you, well, they're just not seeing it like they should. And I'm just saying this, that listen, we got some major issues that are a must for us to agree on. Major issues. Like you can't even be a Christian without coming into agreement on these certain things. But there's a whole lot of other things that you can spend a lot of time off into the weeds. And I'm telling you, I've spent time arguing with people in the weeds. Ask me how, ask me how that's gone. Ask me how much peace I've got in my own life. Ask me how many people I've been able to win over come on to my way of thinking. I am 100%, what's the word I'm looking for? A failure in that area. All right, so grow together. If you stay alone, you're going to be weird. We talk about this from time to time. Hey, man, what's wrong with that guy over there? He's always alone, right? What's wrong with that lady over there? She's always... They never really say anything. Like, like they're never really connected. They're never really apart. And I'm just saying that it's true. Sometimes when we isolate, which is usually because of pain and problems, sometimes when that happens, it's because there's hurt, but it does turn out a little bit weird. Psalm 92 and verse 12 says this, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. So am I planted? This is a great question. Am I connected? This is a great question because God wants us to flourish, but the premise to the promise is for us to be planted. So when you're saved, come on, God begins to plant seeds. We talked about that just, just a moment ago. We got to work these things out, but there's seeds that are inside of you that maybe you don't even realize that are there. You know, Death Valley... It's crazy. Scientists for, for, for years and years and years and years, they thought, man, the heat has been so strong for so long that it's really even damaged the soil, that nothing good can even grow in this environment. I've got a picture up here, 127 degrees. This is Death Valley, right? Next picture is 127 degrees. This is, a, this is just a regular day in Death Valley, right? 
crazy. And he gets a whole lot more than that. What's everybody talking about? I hear some chatter. What's going on? Everybody's like, that's hot. Javi's like, that's nothing. That's Arizona. <laughs> 127 degrees, but check this out. In 2005, because of El Nino, El Nino comes along and Death Valley gets seven inches of rain in one day. Next picture. Same space, same place. There were seeds in the ground. So some people, have instead of calling it Death Valley, they call it Dormant Valley. They didn't realize that there was even seed in the ground. And I'm just telling you this, that that's the case for a lot of folks today. Man, they get saved and they think that they're, they're just the same old person that they've always been. But I'm telling you that there's new seed in the ground. And when you begin to get planted and connected to God and get planted and connected, come on, to the house of the Lord, next thing you know, man, that seed's going to come up and there's new life in there. Amen? Yes. New life that's been there all the time, maybe, but it's just been dormant. Number three, serve one another. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I ain't got a lot of time, but we need one another. God will use people to elevate you. Serve together and serve well. I'm going to park on something just real quick because I see a trend happening in our church that's disturbing. And all I'm saying is, as I'm talking about this, because we can get better. Say amen. amen. We got lots of people that sign up to do certain things in our church, and usually they show up. They sign up, they show up. Let me tell you the trend that we're seeing right now. Maybe it's because it's summer. Maybe it's because of whatever. And I understand that sometimes we, we have hard days and things like that. But we have a lot of people right now signing up but failing to show up. And what that means is that we got to scurry at the end, come on, to make things happen. Come on, whenever if you just would have shown up when you signed up, everything would have been just right. You think I'm complaining. I'm not complaining. Jesus talked about this himself. He said, listen, if your brother asks you to go a mile, go two miles. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't give the bare minimum. Don't say you're going to do something and then not do it. Come on, go the extra mile. Show that the spirit of excellence, the spirit of God is inside of you. Amen? Come on. We could do better. We could do better. And I'm telling you, calling the night before, or sending a text at midnight the night before. I understand sometimes people get sick or an hour before or just not even contacting anybody at all. That does not show a spirit of God, period. And I don't even feel bad about saying it. We can do better. Come on, if your job, if you would never do that to your job, People are thinking, well, I get paid for my job. Well, listen, you're doing this for the Lord. Whatever you give to your job, you should give 10 times more. Come on to the house of the Lord. That's just the way, that's just the way it is. And so, all right. It's important that we serve one another. We share life together. I'm going to skip a couple of things here. There was a scientific study. And uh, this study was done with monkeys. And, and they wanted to know how monkeys would, would handle themselves in 
certain environments. And so they took one monkey. They did this with three different times with three different monkeys. But they took a monkey and they put the monkey in a cage. And the cage was about, it is about 10 feet tall, 12 feet tall. And then they put some bananas up at the top of the cage. And, um, and the monkey went into the cage out of his little storage room. They opened it up, went into the cage. In about a second, man, that monkey smelt something and saw yellow. And looked up at the top of the cage and immediately, man, was just dashed for those bananas that were hanging at the top of that cage. But the problem is, is there was a scientist that was standing above the bananas with a, a cold bucket of water. And when that monkey started to elevate, when it started to climb, that scientist would just pour out some of that water right into the monkey's face. And the monkey would just drop down to the floor again and just look at it and went, you know, did a dash after the bananas again. And that scientist just poured a little bit more water. This was done three different times with three different monkeys. The average time was three times that this would happen. They would shoot up to get the banana, get water in their face before they just went to the bottom of the cage and they just sat down and just looked at those bananas with no more trying them. And so they were like, man, we just uncovered so much cool stuff with this study. And then one of the researchers, he said, listen, let's do something different. I got an idea. This is going to be so cool. Let's put, let's release, let's put twice as many bananas up there. And let's, um, let's put all three monkeys, come on, into the cage at the same time. Like maybe they'll work together. Like maybe, maybe one of the monkeys will go up and shield the rest of the monkeys so that they could go up and, and get the bananas. But this is exactly what happened. All three of the monkeys were released into the cage. All three of them immediately looked up to the bananas that were hanging at the top of the cage and all three of the monkeys almost at the same time sat down and they just looked at the bananas. No try whatsoever. So they're like, wow, man, that is amazing research. Wow, I wouldn't have expected that. I would have expected them to work together and, and this and that. And so, so anyway, the study was done and they were all walking away and then one of the scientists had a great idea. Listen, I got a great idea. Let's do one more thing. Let's, let's, uh, let's go ahead and take a brand new monkey that's never had any water poured on his face. And let's take the three monkeys that all three of them have had water poured on their face. And we will release the three monkeys in there first. And then we'll release the, the fourth monkey, which is, which is never, it's never been a part of the test. And let's see what happens. And so the three monkeys are in there. They immediately just sat down. No try whatsoever. And then they release the fourth monkey, the one that's never been part of the test. And he goes out and he's looking at the other monkeys just kind of sitting there. And then all of a sudden something yellow catches his eye and he looks up at the top. And then automatically, man, he's like, what are you got? And he bolts, come on, for the bananas that are at the top of the cage. And the next thing you know, all three of the other monkeys are pulling him down. And he's fighting them and then pulling them down, fighting them and pulling them down. Then the next thing that happens is that fourth monkey hasn't even had water poured in his face, but something must be wrong. He sits down right with him. And I'm just telling you guys this, that, that this is such a powerful story because in life you are connected to sometimes the wrong people. 
God has put dreams and desire and passion and vision and ability in your life. And then all of a sudden, because of who it is that you're connected to and hanging out with, every time you start to let your, your wings begin to fly just a little bit, man, they're just yanking you right back down. And this is why it's important that one of the biggest things that changes whenever we come into a relationship with Jesus is we make new friends. Friends that are going the same direction that we're going. Friends that have the same spirit of God in their life that you have in your life. And you got to recognize quickly that if there are friends that are pulling you down, you got to cut bait at least for a while. you got to get rid of them. Maybe there will be a time that you reconnect with them in an effort, come on, to lead them to the Lord. But you got to get healthy and strong, get some banana in your belly before you, you know what I mean, before you, before you tackle that again. We need others. And this is why we serve people. Come on, we serve them so that they may become everything that God has called them to become. But the caveat is this. When you begin to serve people with other people, the caveat is this, that you really help yourself more than you help anybody. There's something special about a life poured out, a life given, a generous life lived. My last and final point is this. We can have Scott come on out and, and the team. Number four is this, live on mission. Every single day, live on mission. Because once you're saved, come on, you've, you've, you've been called. Matthew 28, 18 says that, that, that we're called to go and to preach the gospel and to teach and to baptize. That's every single one of us. In prayer this morning, I got off on a tangent. We were talking about the lost. And it just blows my mind that there are some people that have walked with God for a long time, but they've never... They've never walked somebody through the prayer of salvation. I, I don't like I, I just I don't get that. Do you realize that the expectation is that when you give your heart to Jesus, that you share your life in such a way and you share the gospel in such a way that other people are going to have a, an opportunity to respond to it. This is a this is a given. It's it's not. It's not meant for the pastor. It's not meant for the evangelist. It is a given. It's an expectation that every one of us have conversations with others. And even if the only thing that you have is your own personal testimony and John 3.16, it's amazing what God can do to connect those dots. And by the way, you never save anybody. Jesus is the only one that saved anyone. Amen. And so it's not even your responsibility, you know what I mean, to, to take the weight of, of their decision on yourself. It's your responsibility just simply to love people enough, come on, to share the goodness of God with them. And it's amazing. Even, even if you're not eloquent, even if it doesn't flow, even if, like, if you were speaking to yourself, you're like, Man, I confused myself. I don't even know if I would have accepted Jesus in that. You know, it's crazy how, it's crazy how the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit can take just your feeble attempts and do something magnificent with it. Amen? Amen.
So take personal responsibility. You're a believer on mission. I believe that some of you this morning know 50 people that don't know Jesus. Some of you may only know 20 people that don't know Jesus. But the idea is you are in their circle because you know Jesus and you ought to be sharing with them. There might be some people and folks in your life that need healing, healing in their bodies, emotional healing, right? Maybe they're dealing with depression or anxiety. Maybe they've got physical ailments or, or spiritual issues that they're dealing with. You know this, that our God is a healer. And amen, somebody that steps out in faith and shares that and has the the faith enough to pray and just ask God that he would do what doctors haven't been able to do. That woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, man, she went to the finest physicians. How did she receive healing? She didn't even say anything. She just reached out. She just reached out. Some of you right now know some folks that are having some real problems and issues in their in their families and in their marriages. I can tell you this, if people were going to be honest, I won't say this about everybody, but I think I'm right. I think everybody has problems in their marriages at some point or another. And I can guarantee you that every family has problems at one point or another. A kid that was raised a certain way, but there's no evidence of it. (laughs) Oh gosh, help us. I'm speaking to my own family right now right things that we're faced with that sometimes we had the we had the greatest faith yesterday until we got the news today and it seems like faith just went out the window we all go through these peaks and valleys and this is why the body of Christ is so important because he will position others in a position of strength when you're in a position of weakness for them to help you and to encourage you amen So I want you to know this, that you, somebody just say this with me. So everybody, everybody say this. I am on mission. I am on mission. There's opportunity all around me to elevate Jesus and he will change it. Amen. Let me pray for you real quick. Does everybody here know Jesus this morning? Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here that you that you're wondering, man, oh man, I don't know if I know Jesus like I need to know Jesus. And if that's you, if you don't know if you're saved right now, we just slip a hand in the air. If that's you, just slip a hand in the air because you can receive him right now. It's a simple prayer of faith. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, come on, he'll come into your life and save you. Amen. And it's not a religious ceremony. It's not just empty words, but it's words that we speak because it's connected to our heart. Is anybody here that needs to receive Jesus this morning? Everybody's good? Can I tell you this? This wouldn't be anything to be ashamed about. Every single person that's in here that is saved has received him. They've prayed that same prayer. So just real quick, is there anybody here this morning that needs to ask God to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and save you. Anybody? Everybody's good? That is fantastic. But let me tell you, let me tell you something. That just means we got to get to work, right? We don't want to be the church of all the saved people all the time, right? 
Let's, uh, let's make sure we got a, bal- a healthy balance of, of unsaved people that are coming because Jesus loves them just like he loves you wants to change their life as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for this word, Lord. Help us to never forget what being a Christian, a Christ follower looks like. I pray, Lord, every single day that we would be a spirit-led church, one that truly loves you and truly loves one another, and one, a people group that stand up because we realize we're on mission every single day of our lives. God, we pray for the lost in this community. God, we know that it breaks your heart. But it also, the Bible talks about how all heaven rejoices when one person receives you. Let there be a lot of rejoicing over the the days to come because of the faithfulness and the willingness and the obedience of your people sharing the good news. And it is good news. There's no greater news than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Help us. Anoint us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.